you, Mom. You know, I think sometimes we, we take for granted our parents. We take for granted just uh, the giftings that they have. And, you know, we're, we're so busy all the time worrying about how the music is. And i got to tell you, because I, I'm an old soul, even though I'm a young guy, I've got an old soul. I can. The neighbor the other day was back there. He's giving me a wave and all kinds of stuff. And next thing you know, I turned around and all I saw was, I said, excuse me. He's like, I thought you were ignoring me. I was. No, just kidding. And, uh, but I was listening to my Gaither vocal band music. How many of you guys like Gaither music? See? So, uh, you know, it's, it's just some of, some of the great music. Um, one of the young men that have been coming to our church, Tyler and I, we, we had a, a great time this past Friday just talking. And he says, my dad plays organ in the church. So a lot of times I miss going to church and hearing an organ being played. Because everything's a band now and everything's contemporary. And so, but I just love that message. And I love that, Mom, you can sing. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being a wonderful mom. Thank you for being a great mom in the time when I know I was little. Uh, she was a single mom with us for six years. I married my stepdad, Ray, when I was six years old. And so, uh, you know, there's been a lot of trials and tribulations. But the great thing that she taught us is to love God and to make him a part of your life. And so nothing else matters. It didn't matter if we had a big mansion. You know, what matters was our mansion next door to Jesus. And really, that's the great message that all of us have. And so growing up, mom would always uh, sit around our big, huge stereo. You guys have heard me, and we'd put on records and put in the eight tracks. And, you know, a lot of us would just sit around and sing. And those are the memories that we have. So for many of you, the gift to me on Mother's Day is to hear my mom sing, you know, and so it, it always, it cracks me up, mom, I just have to say this, because you, it's very nerve-wracking, no matter how often you sing, you get nervous when you're singing, and all these people are looking at you, because you're thinking, am I going to actually hit that note? My mom has sung that song probably before I was born, I don't know, but, you know, and when you mess up a word, you go, yep, she's nervous. And, uh, you know, but it doesn't matter because the message is still the same. I love John 14. In my father's house are many mansions. You know, and so that is just so endearing for me. I love that song. But growing up, we loved music. And music was just such a part of our life. And I love music even now. If I could, I'd have a full pit orchestra and a band. And But God hasn't seen fit for that. And so uh, we still get to have the great opportunity of having backup music. And so... You know, I'm thankful for that. But the Bible's still the same, and the message is still the same, and it'll never change. And so we're grateful for that. Turn in your Bible, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as you turn there, this morning I want to talk about Mom, the woman of honor. And a lot of times we correlate being a mother with love. How much do you love? You know, and I've heard so many mothers tell me before, they'll say things like, you know, if I could go back and do things over, I would do them over. You know, I wish I could change some things in my life. And I think that's why it's difficult. I will tell you this. I know of ten couples that told me from this church, Pastor, we will not be there on Mother's Day. It's very difficult for us. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry because you need to look at it as, you know, this is the journey that God has brought you through. And, you know, I know for many it's difficult for lack of what your mother had, you know, what she did to you in your life or, 
you know, what you went through. And for some, I know that you've had to deal with difficulties even becoming pregnant, being with child. And so, you know, when, that, when all that takes place, there's all these emotions that take place. And in many, you know, many services, they're packed up because there's this initiative to get people there. But yet, sometimes I just think how sad it is for me because it is such a difficult time of the year, as much as Father's Day is for many because either you admired or you loved that parent, but for some of us, you could sit back and start thinking about those memories and start laughing about it. So I'm going to ask you a question. What's love got to do with it? Love has to do with a lot of things. There have been a lot of songs written about love. All you need is love, love. All right, hold on a minute. Let's try this again. All you need is love, love. Thank you. I thought I was the only one that ever listened to the Beatles. You guys are looking at me. Well, they were around before you were even born. Yeah, you're right. So I just thought I'd I'd pick out some songs. Uh, Love lifted. Very good. Thank you, Debbie. (laughs) And... uh, the Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston. You know, we, we have to say we... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then there's this one. What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. What's love got to do with it? It's a secondhand emotion, right? <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, I remember that song. And uh, <laughs> so who needs a heart when a heart... What is it? I think I wrote it down. can be broken, right? Oh, goodness. So we know that there's a bunch of songs. And then this morning I was listening to the music and Will the Circle Be Unbroken? And as I was listening to it, I forgot that one of the verses in the song actually talked about a mother. In that song, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? And so I don't know if it was the tallies or who it was that was singing it, but it caught my attention right away. And yet we talk about within that song love, what seems like true love has broken a lot of hearts. But the love of God, the agape love, is the true essence of love that God offers. It has healed every heart and everyone it has ever come in contact with. 1 Corinthians 13. It says this, verse 1, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Love suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Verse 5, does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things. Hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face... Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abides faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is 
love. Listen closely to another translation. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Isn't that amazing? Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't reveal when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always and always looks for the best, never ever looks back but keeps going to the end. That's love. Isn't that amazing? Listen to this. Did you hear about the teacher who was helping one of her kindergarten students put on his boots? He asked for help and she could see why. With her pulling and him pushing, the boots still didn't want to go on. When the second boot was on, she had worked up a sweat. She almost whimpered when the little boy said, Teacher, they're on the wrong feet. She looked and sure enough they were. It wasn't any easier pulling the boots off than it was putting them on. She managed to keep her cool as together they worked to get the boots back on. This time on the right feet. He then announced, these aren't my boots. She bit her tongue rather than get her right in his face and scream. Why didn't you say so? Like she wanted to. Once again, she struggled to help him pull the ill-fitting boots off. He then said, they're my brother's boots. My mom made me wear them. She didn't know if she should laugh or cry, but she mustered up the grace and courage she had left to wrestle the boots on his feet again. She said, now where are your mittens? He said, I stuffed them in the toes of my boots. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Sounds like a mother, doesn't it? You're like, what in the world just happened? We get so frustrated and sometimes we think the only thing we have left is love. That's it. In the fast-paced world we live in, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, and we have Twitter. Never in the history of the world has there ever been more avenues or devices to communicate with and on. Everybody wants to get the word out. Everybody wants to say their speak and they want to speak their mind. Everybody has a cause and a message. Everybody wants to have a following and to make sure what they're saying, that people are listening to it. But of all the stuff, all the things that we hear and read about on the news and on the net, where is the positive message? Where is the message of love? And I think we often forget that. You know, where is love? I believe that there has never been a time when people have been more on edge than they are today. Tempers are short. Patience are thin. Our time seems to be more valuable than everyone else's, or so we think. If you think about it, our time is most valuable possession because it's the one thing that we have so little of. And the one thing we can't control how much we have, and the one thing everybody hates to waste unless it's someone else's, is time. Love what James 4.14 says, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. 
what your life will be, for you are like smoke that appears for a little while and vanishes away. Now, you just said that isn't the King James Version. It wasn't. That was a Holman Christian. But I want to, I want to correlate what it says. In the King James Version, it refers to as a vapor. And so it's here and then it's gone. It, is van- it vanishes away. So with so little of it and the preciousness of it, what are we doing with it? And why aren't we doing more with it? Has anyone here this morning ever worshipped God with all of their strength? I love what David said as we were going through this whole, whole message on, you know, are you worth it? You know, putting down the weapons of our warfare and understanding what spiritual war, you know, warfare is truly about. And today, because of time, I thought, you know, do I take a stop? Because you have to come back next week and hear about fear. Because I truly believe that fear, Satan uses that within every one of us. We don't get up and do things we should. We can't be the mom or dad that we need to be because we're fearful of what our child's going to say about us. We can't confront an issue because we're fearful of the outcome of that issue. You know, all these things, and yet we don't incorporate that within our families because we're always fearful. Moms, we don't even confront our children because we're fearful of the outcome of how they're going to look at us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we do all that stuff, and yet we're, we're, we're forgetting that the premise to what we're doing and who we are is love. You're raising those children. You're training them up in the ways of the Lord because you love them. In the Scriptures, David loved God. He had a relationship with God. Everyone is not always going to approve of your relationship with God. Some may ridicule it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks or what anyone thinks for that matter. Everyone else can have a relationship for you with God. Everyone cannot walk your journey. Everyone cannot go where you're going. Everyone cannot go where God is taking you to. And only if you choose to love and worship him can you live the abundant life and go along. I had this illustration that wasn't, wasn't here, and I'm like, where'd it go? There it is. On the journey to the preordained places of blessings and opportunities that he was waiting and prepared, he prepared them just for you. Far too many in life only feel as though they are entitled to the status quo, all the time completely missing out on the abundant life of God. And he comes to us because he loves us. And so I, I just want to say something this morning that... When, and I know how difficult it is because I was looking at bringing up even Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman, and we hear that at every service. You know, it's Mother's Day, let's talk about the virtuous woman. You know, and yet many of us can look at that scripture and go, that doesn't even correlate with me. I'm not the virtuous woman, and I just can't seem to get it. You know, she's the keeper of the home and sits in knits and all that kind of stuff. That is so King James Version, right? And so, and yet, but I think what, <laughs> what we need to say today, she's the one who goes out to work. And still cooks dinner. And still makes sure you have clean laundry, right? And does all the things that need to be done. But I think what we forget is that, you know, as a mother, sometimes we forget that we get so busy that there is no time for family. There is no time for our children. And so you have to make sure that you have time to exhibit that same kind of love. You know, I often think, you know, if I as a father or you as a mother or a father that's in this room... When was the last time that your kids saw you actually, other than coming to church on Sunday, really stop and go, hey, mom, I need your attention because you are so engrossed into your own worship. You're engrossed in your prayer time. 
When was the last time that your kids saw you pray other than saying this? Now I bow my head and bless this food. Amen. You're done. When was the last time that they actually saw the godly woman, the woman of honor, the woman who deserves to be honored and loved? You know, I always find it interesting. And men, if you just honor your wife and you honor your wife for what she has done for your children and you only do it on Mother's Day, I'm sorry for you. Because you should be honoring her every single day that you're with her because she sacrifices a lot for those young people. And truly, that's what love is about. When I look at the life of Christ and I think, you know, even in my own love relationship, I know that God loves me and I just don't go to Him on a special day when it's Easter and Christmas. And I know so many people do. They only take that time out because it's that special, intimate time where it is acknowledged. Oftentimes, I always get a little bit kind of frustrated over holidays because holidays make you do things that... You have to do. And then here's what you do. The first thing you do is, back. Can you turn me down the monitors just a little bit? I'm getting a a feedback. Becky, are you disappointed because I didn't get you like that big cake and the diamond bracelet and the Rolls Royce and the mother necklace that has all the gemstones because of all of our kids that we have and the ring you didn't get your hair done, this, Isn't it terrible, the pressures that are put on us? But in reality, they shouldn't be put on us because we should be honoring our mothers all the time. And today should really, truly be just another day. Even though in our society people forget that, and yet it needs to be a time when we do come to church and we are honoring them. Many churches... Growing up, even Baptist, we never spoke about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Because it just seems so sacrilegious. Because, you know, that's what Catholics did. Why would we do that? But I want to just stop for just a minute and think about a young lady, 15 years of age, who had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? Had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and God told her, you will have a child. And his name shall be called Yahshua. His name will be Emmanuel, God with us. He will be the one who will come to save the people. Really? His name will be Jesus? Fifteen years old. And so young people, my daughters, listen closely. When you think that what you do today does not reflect your future, you're sadly mistaken. Because it does. And Mary had to have been really focused on the relationship that she had. And so I even honor her today, for she was the mother of Jesus Christ. And God used that young lady to do great things. And yet we depict her as this woman who stands in the crowd and just watches. When I know better, because let's just paint the picture. When was the last time you saw somebody in the neighborhood beat up your child and you sat back and go, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Go ahead. Kick her in the head. Kick him in the gut. You don't do that as a mother. No, you don't do that. No, you walk over like a Canadian goose and you take them down. Right then. You don't mess around. And so that's what I think so many people think. Nobody's messing with your little geeslings. (laughs) Nobody's messing with your kids. And every time, you know, even in the Passion, I see Mary as this soft... Oh, no, Mary was down there. When he was, when he was in the temple, remember? Mary and Joseph couldn't figure out where Jesus was at. What did Mary do? 
She went searching through that city. And I'm going to tell you right now, when she saw that he was talking to the, the prophets, the priests, here's what took place. She probably went over there, grabbed him by the ear, and said, don't you ever do that to your mother again. Matter of fact, you're getting a spanking when you get home. How do you know that? Oh, because I know that. Because that's what God has implanted within your heart and in your soul. That's why he tells us and reminds us to show love, to spend time, to be able to incorporate that love within our family. And are you doing that? You know, does it ever stop? Do you ever really stop training your children? When they turn 18, Victoria, she's graduating this coming Thursday. can't believe we'll have two that will have been graduated. It's amazing to me. But so I've already decided I'm going to take her bags and I'm going to pack all of the luggage up. We're going to put them by the front porch and say, you are now an adult. Go on your way. Have a nice life. She'd have a heart attack. She told us the other day, I go, what are you going to do with your feet? Oh, live with you and mom forever. <laughs> I said, no, you're not. I like being down here. I have my own little apartment in the basement of the house. It's perfect. And <laughs> I'm like, no, you can't do that. No, it's time you grow up. And so that's the role of all of us as parents, right? And so what can we learn? We learn from the scriptures that above everything else, we have to love. God sent his son because he loved us. And so loving sometimes is an uncomfortable situation. I even, I even think, you know, for, as you mothers have, have come to a place in your life where, you know, yes, some of your children are raised, but yet, I always like that in your role, they could sit down and say, hey, mom, can I get your opinion on something? Isn't it great to be able to sit and talk as an adult versus talk from a child to a mother? And then as you sit down and you talk with mom and she puts her hand over her mouth and says, you lied to me back then, didn't you? I just had to come to you to confess. And just <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I think you have a different relationship and the consequences aren't like they used to be. And so you've got to show love, and you've got to show grace, and you must show forgiveness. I love this story. It was a busy morning, about 8.30, when an elderly gentleman in his 80s arrived to have stitches removed from his thumb. He said he was in a hurry as he had an appointment at 9 o'clock. That was 9 a.m. I took his vital signs and had him take a seat, knowing it would be over an hour before someone would be able to see him. I saw him looking at his watch and decided, since I was not busy with another patient, I would evaluate his wound. On exam, it was well healed. So I talked to one of the doctors, got the needed supplies to remove his sutures, sutures, sorry for you in the medical field, sutures, and redress his wound. While taking care of his wound, I asked him if he had another doctor's appointment this morning, as he was in such a hurry to get out of there. The gentleman told me no that he needed to go to the nursing home to eat breakfast with his wife, the mother of his children, and the grandmother of his grandchildren. I inquired as to her health. He told me that she had been there for a while and that she was a victim of Alzheimer's disease. As we talked, I asked if she would be upset if he was a little bit late. He replied that she no longer knew who he was, that she had not recognized him in five years now, I was so surprised, and so I asked him, 
and you still go every morning even though she doesn't know who you are? He gently smiled as he patted my hand, and here's what he said. She doesn't know me, but I still know who she is. This morning you may have been kicked around. Maybe you've been beat up by the world and lost focus on who God really is. God has not forgotten who you are because he still loves you. And when you feel like sometimes that maybe I have failed as a mother, I've done some things that maybe weren't as honoring as they should be, know this, God hasn't forgotten who you are. And the same grace that you bestow on your family is the same grace that God bestows upon you. So I ask you, if you're a Christian this morning, you're a child of the Most High God. You're a child of the King. You're heir to the throne. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God loves you. He cares for you. But if you're not a Christian this morning, you can be because God loves you too. And would like nothing more than for you to be a part of this family and to have a relationship with Him and spend eternity with Him in heaven one day. So what's love got to do with it? Love has everything to do with it. But without God involved in the equation, love would be nothing more than words written on a piece of paper. For God is love, and love is God. We know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. No greater love hath a man have for another than to lay down his life. That's how much love God has for you. A love that will see you through anything. Won't you let him love you today? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close right now. But I'm going to show you this video. And I wanted to end with this video because I want to share with some of you an important factor within your walk. For some of you, you said, well, I had this whole thing planned out. See, I was like Mary. When I was 15 years of age, I did everything I was supposed to do. And I knew that someday I would meet my Prince Charming and my life and my family would all be turned around. And some of you have dealt with such hardship in your life. It's been very difficult. Maybe for some of you, you've not been able to have a child. For some of you, there have been some difficulties. For some of you, maybe within your family, you have a prodigal. But I want you to know this, that the Holy Spirit, that God knows exactly what you're going through, and He still has a plan, and He's working it out in your best interest. Because God loves you. Say this with me. God loves me. God loves me. Isn't for some it's very difficult. Had a lady in my office once who just felt so she was abused and and felt abandoned by her mother, and I said to her, "I want you to say something." God loves me. It was very difficult for her to say that because she didn't believe that God really loved her and forgave her for all the things that she did. But I want you to know this: that God is not finished writing your book. God is not finished writing your life. And I don't care. My mom, she's happy for me to announce that she came up here today. And it makes me so proud because mom's 75 years old, 75 years old and still singing for the Lord. And when her son says, mom, will you sing on Mother's Day? She says, sure. And puts all that aside because God's not done using her. And if you go to a doctor and all of a sudden they come in and go, we don't have the shot for you. You know that God is working things out right now in your life. He said he knew you. He formed you. He created you in your mother's womb, and he knew exactly what your outcome was going to be like. None of us ever know that, but I'm here to tell you today, be encouraged, and may I assure you that at the end of your book, 
the end of your life, you'll look back at just like many grandmothers and say, I can't believe that this all took place. Watch this story unfold between this man and woman. And it just moves me because I know just when and where God has spoke to me in my life. And I hope he does to you today. I grew up on my parents' 100-acre property, and I refused to stay inside. I loved being in nature. I would just go out there by myself, and I'd have all this time, and I would be talking to God, and we'd have this conversation. And, like, I didn't know that that was strange or unusual. I would just pray to him, and then sometimes he would he would say something to me and speak to me. I was about 10 or 12 years old. Uh, middle of the day, God gives me a very vivid picture of a little kid, and I'm holding her, swinging around in um, my parents' yard, and she's just laughing like crazy. In the picture that I had in my mind, she had dark skin and dark eyes, and uh, God said, this is going to be your daughter, and her name is going to be Chloe. Um, Walt and I grew up together. I think he moved to town the year I was born, so we've known each other my whole life. Um, when I was 10, we moved right across the pasture from him, so we grew up together. Her family and my family were friends, and so I got to go over to her house um, frequently. Of course, she's a little munchkin, so I'm not really paying attention. So I, my whole life, I was like, I, I think Walt Manus is amazing. <laughs> and I always thought when I grow up, I want to find someone just like him. Um, it was in my age group. <laughs> I went to university um, about 30 minutes from where he was living. And when I, when I went, he just kind of came in and helped get me settled and helped introduce me to a church. And so we just started spending more and more time together. And we were sitting in his car just talking and we had this conversation about what our dreams and our hopes were for the future and um, I said that I felt like um, God had just made me to be a mom. That's what I wanted more than anything. I wanted to be a mother and I said that I had actually a name picked out already that I wanted to name my daughter and and he, he said I do too which I thought was weird because you know I didn't think I did that. <laughs> and I was like well what's the name and she said Chloe. And he's like you've got to be kidding me. You won't believe this. God gave me, when I was 12, that name, Chloe. So he's telling me this story, and I'm thinking, this is crazy. Like, first of all, I don't have a lot of experience with God speaking to me like that. <laughs> she was in the same place that I was. We couldn't believe it, you know. In the picture, Chloe always had olive skin, so he always thought he would marry a woman with olive skin. She can't have a, a brown-eyed child. I didn't know what to do with it. I think we both knew pretty early on that we were going to get married. It just... I don't know. The best way I can describe it is that Walt felt like home to me. Like, from the very beginning, I felt like, yeah, this is this is where I belong with this guy. When we first got married, we, we decided we wanted to wait a little while to have children. We ended up um, traveling, doing some work with some different missions agencies. And then at a certain point, we realized, no, this is the right time. We want to start pursuing having children. And we were so excited. We thought, we thought it was just going to happen immediately, you know. And so we like, yeah, let's start our family, let's have children, and, you know, months turned into years, and pretty soon we were four years into trying and still nothing. I had always clung to this promise that God had given me about the daughter, so I didn't know when it was going to happen, but it was, it was starting to get hard to wait. 
was really hard. It was really, um, I don't know, I think I, I struggled with questioning God's goodness in that time um, because I just felt like it was so mean, you know, like such a mean thing to do. Uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so there was like a probably four and a half year period that um, I would say was really, really hard on us individually, on us um, in our marriage, and also like the way we were relating with God, especially for me, I felt like, is God good even when he's not doing things that I would define as good? All of her friends were having kids and, and she had to just wait and put on this cheesy smile, this fake smile and say, we're happy for you. And every time that we we would hear about someone getting pregnant, we would just be devastated because we were thinking, this isn't going to happen for us. We're just, we're just fools. We're fools who, who want kids and it's never going to happen. And then I would say somewhere, I feel like God shifted something in me so significant. There was a point where I started to realize, actually, no, I, I can live like a really full and really happy life and like experience so much with God and like know him so deeply and be satisfied in the deepest way a human can be satisfied um, even without having a child sounds like a simple concept but for me that was a big a big change a big shift in in my perspective we kept praying through that time god if you're saying that you don't want us to be parents like just take this desire away from us but more than ever we wanted to be parents like it just the desire was almost getting stronger he kept compelling us in his love to like love love this idea of being parents and love this idea of um yeah of having this little girl and so well, that's what we did. We just kept, we just kept praying. There were tons of people praying for us and with us. People that we didn't even know, like people would come to us and say, "All oh, these, this Bible study group I'm a part of is praying for you guys. Is praying for this situation." And I don't know. That was a really um, special thing to get to feel like the body of Christ in a larger, on a larger scale, like standing with you through something. Annie is like, well, maybe, maybe we're supposed to adopt, and I was adamantly against it. How are you feeling about adoption? Yeah, I don't want to speak about adoption. I had this thought of like, I don't want, I called it a band-aid baby. I, we are struggling, we are hurting, and you know, I don't, I didn't, I didn't want just a fix. I didn't, I didn't want just some kid. I wanted the kid that we were supposed to have, you know. And God just like, he progressed me from like being adamantly against adoption to be like, you know, I, I just want the kid that God wants. Maybe it's not supposed to come through biological means. Maybe it's, it's supposed to be through adoption. So what do you think? I think that I'm very excited to adopt, but waiting will be hard. We had gone through all the paperwork. Annie had done so much work, and I had supported her in that, but I still wasn't convinced that the adoption was right. I remember one night we were at Walt's sister's house and I was checking my email and there was an email that came in and it said, it's a girl. I clicked on it and I realized it was from the adoption agency and they said, we just wanted to let you know that a birth mother has chosen you guys and yeah, you're going to be parents. And I was like, I just sat there looking at the email like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Annie gets this email. She's super excited and I'm just like, I'm just going to, I'm going to wait and see because I don't, I don't know, you know. We have some adoption news. Finally, there's something happening. Yeah, we're really excited. 
She'll be born in late February or early March. Coming close. And we're working on her name right now. We're working on it. The name Chloe is completely off off the table. We've abandoned it. We had decided, oh, that was just a fluke thing. That was a coincidence that we both liked that name. You know, that was nothing. And so we had even talked about a different name. And the social worker working with us, she says, okay, well, the birth mother would like to meet you before she has the baby. And we were like, yes, we want to meet her. Sounds great. And so we took a trip up to Wichita. Today's a big day, huh? Yeah. What are we doing? We're going to meet Allison. First time. Nervous? Yeah. A little bit. We went to the house where she was living and we knocked on the door and she opens the door and it looks like a grown up version of this little girl in my head that was from the past. And I was like, Oh my goodness, what in the world? you know? And so in a second in my head the name was back on the table. We went up to this room and sat and talked for I don't know, three hours or so. The social worker says, now let's talk about a name. Have you have you thought of a name? She said, yeah, well, ever since I got pregnant, even before I knew it was a girl, I've been calling this baby Chloe. We were just floored. And both Walt and I, I mean, I, I don't even remember what we did exactly. I just know that I was ugly crying. We were weeping and she was like, oh, you hate the name. And we're like, oh my goodness, no, we love the name. God has spoken and he's told us this name. Just dawned on me before I knew you guys existed or anything. Just like my one name, you know, this little girl Chloe, and I didn't know if you guys would like it or stick with it or anything like that. I just kind of figured maybe you'd have something else, but so that's why, like, when I threw it out there, I was just kind of like, um, I've been calling her Chloe. <laughs> and then you guys, oh, and I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> All those doubts about having the Band-Aid baby were just completely out of the window and I was it felt like I just had full body shivers it was like it was like the Holy Spirit was just right there this is so much a God thing that's going on right now you've been uh, planned for for a long time (laughs) before you were even conceived we knew your name and I think we know what you're going to look like I don't know but we'll see I love you we look forward to we look forward to seeing you. When the birth mom said the name Chloe, you know, in an instant, I had become a father. Even before she was born, I was her dad. This surreal presence of God was just all around us, and I just I felt Him saying to me, "See how much I love you? Do you see this? Like, do you see what I've done? Like, I've been writing this story. You had no idea. I've been writing this story." For years, since since Walt was a kid, I've been writing this story, and I realized how foolish I was, I guess, like how how um, my perspective was just so skewed in my own pain that what I saw as him not loving me was, in fact, him being the most loving he could have been. Day of. Yeah. What were you about to do? Go to the hospital. I can't find your toothbrush holder. Well, no. Are you nervous? A little bit. Yeah, I was just crazy nervous that morning. Like, um, I remember going to the hospital, and and then all of a sudden it was happening. All of a sudden the doctor came in and was like, okay, she's ready, and you're going to have a baby now. And um, I don't know, and there was just all this movement and bustling around, and then...
Chloe was there. Like I was, I was looking at this baby, this, my baby. I was just looking at her all of a sudden, like she wasn't there, and then she was there. Big girl, how are you doing, Annie? I'm good. I'm really good. Yeah. <laughs> so many years of anticipating her as a child. She's here, you know. She's been a part of my life for so long, and she's finally here. I remember just looking, like holding her and looking at her face and being like, "I'm your mom. I'm your mom." And I just found it so weird to say those words. There was no mistake. I am the father of this child, just like God had always planned it to be, and I'm completely owning it. Like on cloud nine, just amazed at what God has done. It was like He was whispering to me in that moment, like I've been here this whole time, and you didn't know, but I've been here this whole time. I've been walking this thing with you, and I was just saying, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. I've got something good. I've got something good up ahead. It's a constant struggle to just sit in His sovereignty, and when everything is falling apart in your in your mind, just to wait. And, and there were so many people that got to celebrate with us. I can't even count the number of people who came and said that um, that they had prayed for us, or that they had um, waited for this baby with us, or that our story had somehow spoken to them. I don't know. It, it was just such a, a special time of seeing like wasn't just about me and Walt and this baby and, and our birth mother. It was about like all these people that God wanted to touch and encourage and bless through this story. He just doesn't leave anything to chance. It's it's not random. And it's just, it's amazing. It's a miracle. You know? It only speaks of God. Uh, people can say, oh, it's, it's, just, it's just a coincidence, you know? You, you can't convince me that. I think God is incredible. I think it's incredible the way that he flung the stars into space and that same God, the same God who keeps the world from falling apart. He loves me. He loves me. With or without us ever having a child, that's what he's taught me through this. Like, he loves me and I can be so secure in that love. And to be able to trust that and to rest in that, I mean, it's the greatest gift. story of love, isn't it? So when you feel like there's, your story is ended, it hasn't. And Butch and Jess are our living proof of that. What would we do without our little dude? And Brody's just a special gift to this whole church and to their family. And so if you have questioned, does God love me? Does he care for me? I want you to know that he loves you. And he's not finished with you as well. Let's all stand. As we go right into the altar call this morning, and maybe you've never come to the altar and said, God, I just need you to really start working things out in my life, and in, Lord, we just surrender everything to you. You know what you want to do. You know how you want to work it out. Listen, God knows you, and he loves you. Let's pray. Father, we just love you, and we just stand in awe of, Lord, your good works, and Lord, what you've done. Thank you for this wonderful story of grace, of your timing of love. So Father, in those days when we feel like you're not there, Lord, we just pray that you'll just start to speak to us and let us feel your presence and know that you are there and you're with us. So Lord, we just thank you for, Lord, just how you worked it out in this couple's lives. Thank you for the great God story that they were able to share. Lord, may I encourage all of us this Mother's Day to know that, you know what, God can use us. Those wilderness experiences, knowing that sometimes 
we don't thank you allow those wilderness experiences to be there, but it's during those times that you come, during the storm, during the rain, that, Lord, that's where we experience you for who you are. Lord, we bring our offering to you this morning. We bring you our life and our love. Lord, bless those here today. Thank you for our mothers and for our grandmothers and for the ladies that stand and have been instrumental in so many people's lives. Lord, we love you. We ask this in your name. Amen.